Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, as I'm recording this here in the US of A, I'm bringing on, yes, yet another new co-host for you. Uh, this young lady comes from Australia. We're going to talk more about that because I'm literally watching the Olympics this evening and got to see some Australian athletes competing. Uh, but she's here today actually to help share with us how she lived through her own near-death experience with alcohol. But now she works with tens of thousands of women around the world to change their relationship with alcohol. So she's established alcohol education programs in developing nations around the world. Women's prisons in her home country of Australia. She has online alcohol coaching programs for women globally and also has an executive coaching program for female business leaders. So today, she's going to share with us her story as well as a few truths from up the alcohol and eh, some of the health that might wrap around that. And let's be real, we talk a lot about health and lifestyle and not just business on this podcast. So I'm in for some surprises with this young lady. So without further ado, Sharon Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I love it that I'm a young lady. I'll take that. Well, I, I learned that from my father many years yeah. ago. He's like, you, you always show respect. So. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so, uh, and real quick for our listeners, it, it, her brand is her name. So it's really simple. Sharon Mitchell, with two L's on the end, dot com. And we'll, we'll do some screen sharing on the video here for our YouTube fans. But so, Sharon, you clearly have a little history here around the whole touchy topic for some people around alcohol. And Correct. real quick, before we dive, dive into that, you, you hinted in some of your bio here about the uh, relationship with alcohol. So I kind of, I don't have a you know, pre-programmed Q&A, but the first thing that popped in my head when I started researching you was, well, okay, so is she just promoting getting people off alcohol together, or are you, are you actually working with uh, women to help them also succeed with that in their lives as well? Because obviously there's two schools of thought these days. There's some people who go completely cold turkey. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm interested because where's that word relationship mean to you here in that, uh, that process? Yeah, that is an excellent question because what very early on in this process for me, I discovered that one of the biggest misconceptions that society has about alcohol is that we just have drinkers who are normal drinkers, so to speak, and who are social drinkers or even heavy drinkers, mm. but who kind of just sit and it's a normal thing that you can do as part of a healthy diet and everyone else is there. And then we have a teensy little amount of people who are alcoholics and that everything we do in this part is okay and then there's the alcoholics but what i actually discovered is that over 90 percent of people who have health issues related to their drinking are actually not alcoholic oh so yes so there's a lot of services around the world for that that less than 10% of people who are affected by alcohol, but they are alcoholics. Right. The rest of the people, there's very few services anywhere. And we're talking big numbers here because one thing a lot of people don't realize is that alcohol is actually the third biggest killer in the world. Wow. The third biggest killer in the world and 90% of those people really don't have accesses to services on any level. Well, and I, I can tell you, because uh, I've had a lot of interesting healthy gurus on this show. And mm -hmm. uh, one of them actually coming to mind is Dr. Anthony Jay. He's a specialist in estrogenics or estrogenetics type of thing, basically the study of mm -hmm. the estrogen levels in male and female, right? So he's mm -hmm. currently on a project with the Mayo Clinic right now. So his Instagram feed is blowing up with, like earlier today I watched it, it was a, he was doing a live video of the nitrogen tank and he was bringing out cell clusters and stuff. I don't know, <laughs> this guy's playing mm -hmm. with a whole different level. But yeah. him and other doctors, we've discussed, especially biologists, we're not talking about the traditional MD here. MDs actually don't know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. No, no. We, we get into gut biology, the gut biome. Yes. And how yes. I'm guessing this is kind of a little bit where you're hinting at here, right? Is yes. yep. our gut biology, some is more sensitive than others. Some can be mm -hmm. rebuilt and healed. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't mean you have to completely remove alcohol forever from your life is what I'm learning. But I don't know. Where do you chime in on that? 
Um, well, what I do is I'm all about empowering women with the information that they need to actually make a decision on what amount of alcohol is the right amount for them. Mm. So um, really, it's not about a program where um, I never say to any of my ladies on any of my programs or anyone I work with that it's you should drink this amount or you should not drink at all. It's all about giving them the information to make that informed choice themselves. So there's definitely that mind-body connection um, and I do a lot of work in, in the um, connection with gut health and, and our generally our health and how that has a, a huge effect on the building of the neural pathways and changing habits. Um, so I do do a lot of mind-body stuff. But yeah, really, as far as that decision goes about whether you decide to stop drinking altogether or just cut back, I don't have any rules. I'm all about informing people with the truth, which mm. on this subject of, of alcohol, women's health and alcoholism, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there and not a lot of truth. So from a, from a marketing business world standpoint, I love the fact that you've taken a stand on the female front uh, because Correct. let's be real, you can only help so many people. And yes. one of the easiest ways to divide that line is like, okay, well, I'm going to try and help all men and women. Or I'm like, you know what? Yes. Let me at least niche here. Yes. And there's still a breadth of market there to impact, let alone obviously yes. worldwide since you've been actually working with this this process around the world. Correct. Um, now, what, was that kind of a no-brainer for you because of which we're going to learn about some of your story or because you just being a woman, a successful woman in the business world, trying to kind of rebuild yourself. What, what made you choose specifically the female sector? Um, yes, I, it was quite early on in my own journey when I started, uh, which I'm happy to share. Hmm. Um, but it was early on in that journey that I discovered that, uh, that really the, the thought processes and the feelings behind why women drink and what, what they're using alcohol to, you know, which feelings they're using to, to numb um, and all of those things were very different for men than for women. And, um, you know, this is a very generic statement, but it tends to be that um, men who drink to excess tend to have um, a very outward effect. So they affect more, um, you know, get it physically. Correct. Yeah. Whereas women and a lot of the women I work with, the the majority of the damage that women do emotionally and physically when they're drinking too much is actually to themselves. Mm. And so that's a very different way to look at things and how you're looking at when you're going to change your relationship with alcohol. So for me, I saw that a lot of things that were being said to people in general about changing the way they drink worked very well with men, but it was oftentimes exactly the opposite than what women needed to hear. Well, I, I luckily, I guess, got to learn a little bit about this. Uh, when I went back to uh, the university as an adult student, I decided to go back to school, did a degree in marketing and psychology. And yes, I work in the marketing and branding profession now as for my, my business, but I have to admit, the biggest value that I took from that experience was the psychology piece, uh, yes. understanding how we all work. And there's so many layers yes. of psych, but yes. what you're just specifically just talked about really triggers something in my own brain. I remember back to one of my classes that I had a female uh, professor and we talked a lot about how men and women differ in their thought processes and how we're chemi mm -hmm. chemically and hormonally wired differently. Um, mm -hmm. For example, she talked about how as a guy, when we have a problem, we, usually actually go inward. Whereas you ladies, I believe I'm still right on this. Whereas you ladies actually are better at having that inner circle of friends and trust and communication. So it's interesting mm. how what you just explained though, is that when it comes to alcohol, you ladies go inward as us men go outward with alcohol. But as what I'm talking about, if there's a problem and I'm not referring to alcohol, it just seems like us guys, like we'll just try and muscle through it. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go talk to my fellow bros about this because I don't want to mm -hmm. show sign of weakness or vulnerability. Whereas you ladies, <laughs> I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm like, it seems like you have no problem communicating. I don't know. I mean, can you relate that at all to our listeners? On I that? think, um, 
Perhaps because with alcohol, unfortunately, and I mean, one of the biggest issues we have with anyone making change to their relationship with alcohol is the stigma attached to it. And the problem is, is that many women feel like they've failed if they have any kind of issue about drinking. And so they're much less likely to speak to someone about it. And I find on my membership program that people join and, and it has all my courses and stuff, but it also has a very secure forum, obviously, that they speak to the other ladies who are in my membership program. And for many of those ladies, they say that this is the first time that they've ever spoken to anyone about their drinking, even their best friends or their husband or anyone. Wow. So these are women who are successful in many other areas of their life and you would consider them high functioning, um, but their alcohol, it's kind of like their superwoman, but their alcohol is their nemesis, you know, it's their kryptonite. <laughs> and, um, and they've kept it to themselves and just keep soldiering on. And then they have that, once they do have that ability to feel safe, you are right that once they know that they're safe in that environment of other women they will be right open and they do get a lot from actually speaking openly with other women who understand hmm. what it's like to be in that situation that they're in well and real quick just to pause on that because i was on your site earlier i'm going to go ahead and switch over to a screen share here um, oh, yes. and i love your immediate tagline i help women change <laughs> their relationship with alcohol um, one sentence <laughs> yeah, real simple i mean yeah. let's let's cut to the chase yeah. you know exactly what you want to do and yes. so what this membership program you're hinting at is that the florist component because you have here that you break is. it down to women and alcohol then there's the hydrate formula and then obviously yes. flourish yeah at the moment the women and alcohol is um a free download that anyone can grab oh. and that has all of the statistics that really you don't see around, um, which are the st statistics about how alcohol is affecting women's health. Um, most people are very surprised to see how significant those truths that are in there are. Wow. Um, the Hydrate program is a little audio program that I do so that people can just have some um, it's kind of like a bit of a quick start. If you think that you could do with some help and you, you um, need to know a bit more what your triggers are about why you drink and that sort of stuff. The Flourish program is a full, um, that basically has everything of mine in there. So the women join it as a membership program and they get access to, um, you know, full urge control systems and, um, and my video coaching program, we deal a lot with not only the day-to-day -day of how you get through the urge of picking up a drink, but also that really back-end stuff of uh, what are the feelings behind wh why you drink. Because just quickly, I mean, really the important thing about this to know is that um, if it, it, it's a very big recognition that we come to that we've actually been drinking to, to change the way we feel about something. And if all you do is change the way you drink without recognising what those feelings are that you were trying to change, mm. then 100% of the time what happens is the person either goes back to drinking the amount they were before or they swap that for another bad habit. And an exact example of this is many people who say, oh, I gave up smoking, but I started eating more. Or they stop drinking and next thing, you know, they've got a little neat prescription drug addiction or even an exercise addiction. It's, as you know, like there's so many things that we can emotionally and habitually get addicted to. Oh, yes. And those can all be things that we can use to change the way we're feeling about things. And so a very, the absolute key to all my programs is recognizing that we have, um, that they, we have these feelings and emotions that we need to deal with. Otherwise, we're always just going to go back to the drinking or go back to another, you know, go, cross over to another bad habit. Well, it's interesting because obviously everything you're, you're talking about right now is we're talking about the short-term versus the long-term benefits, right? So Correct. going back to your site, I love the keywords you chose here, right? So women and alcohol, easy free download. It's kind of like that surface level. You're just getting going. Hydrate. Yes. Let's think about this. Well, we, we need to <laughs> hydrate daily, right? Water consumption, yeah. hydrating the cells of our body. So it's kind of a daily expectation, but you're not, yeah. you're just covering the bases. Right. Correct. And then obviously yeah. your florist totally keyword makes sense here, right? Okay. If yeah. you're ready to go beyond covering the basics, we really need to get in deep and really get into a supportive program. So I, I totally follow yes. you. I love you it. Have it in a nutshell. Yes. I love it. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. and on your flourish, I mean, I was doing some screen sharing on here. So ladies and gentlemen who are listening, again, make sure you go to SharonMitchell.com because you can click and see everything that I'm seeing, but you got a heck of a before and after here, uh, my friend. I you... And I'm, I'm, 10, I'm 10 years older in my after photo too. <laughs> okay. Well, so yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let's dive into that. So this, is, yes. this might be touchy, touchy for some people, right? Like there's, there could be other people right now hearing this who totally are where you were. And Correct. Yes. they're hearing this yes. right now and they're like, oh, great. Some other foo-foo guru that's going to say, oh, well, I, I, you know, I'll tell you how to come out of it. But <laughs> according to your before and afters I've here, been there. you've been yes. there. <laughs> I've been there. Yes. Well, I was like um, most women, most women of my generation um, and many women before and after me who um, I, you know, I grew up, I did grow up in a poor family and I was very dedicated from early on to being successful. And to me, that meant making a lot of money. And I, I didn't want a knight in shining armour to provide that to me. I was very happy to work for that. Um, I went in and studied finance and I was dedicated to doing that and I was on my career path. And I met my soon-to-be husband who was already who was also in finance. Um, we went on to he also wanted to be successful and we were absolutely dedicated to what we called success um, and we went and did all the normal things and got married and bought a house and had children and uh, continued to build our business until we were very very successful and had a very large multi-million dollar business with almost 50 staff you know huge great big mansion on the hill you know so, three European I was say, cars, what I'm hearing whole... right now is you're saying successful but I, I, I'm already picking up on how you there's many different ways to define success yes correct <laughs> yes and back in those days of course that was my idea I always thought that when you had those things you would be successful right but of course at the same time I I had a very successful drinking career and I was essentially balancing my alcohol use and this very over-functioning successful life I had. So like many women, I was that woman who was the person you went to in the school community or in our business or in our house and friends and family and I was the daughter and the sister and the mother and the wife and all those things. And it, I was literally everything to everyone. And but, alcohol was the thing that allowed me to actually do more more for everyone. You know, it actually allowed me more success, if that makes sense. And you what, know? I, what I'm hearing here is it's everything is outside of you, not inside of you. I'm not hearing anything about you saying you were taking care of yourself to 100%. ensure you can keep doing all of that for everybody else. That's 100% what happened. So... I had actually never even heard the word self-care, let alone implemented in my life. I had zero self-care. Um, so that all, my whole life came to a grinding halt uh, when I was nearly 39. And um, I actually had three alcoholic seizures within the last um, couple of weeks of my drinking. An alcoholic and, seizure? Yeah, I correct. didn't know that's a thing. It's a thing, yes. Okay. So it's actually when your body starts to detox from the alcohol use. But I was drinking so regularly by then that I, I would really only need to go about 15 minutes between uh, drinking and my body would start to detox. Really? Because so, I do a lot yeah. of actual, from on a healthy standpoint, I do, I do regular mm -hmm. detoxification of my body because, well, the mm -hmm. body's natural process is to detox. But you're saying you consume to such a level that Correct. your body had was constantly tr forcing a state of detox because you Correct. were over, overly so, toxified. That's right. And what wow. a lot of people don't realize is that alcohol is actually one of the very, very few drugs that you can actually die from when you're withdrawing from it. So that's why when, when people get to the stage that I was, you need to be medically detoxed, otherwise you die. So uh, they actually did think I was going to die that night and they brought my family in to say their farewells. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I remember that night the doctor leaning over to me and he said, he said two things I'll never forget. He said, Sharon, you're an alcoholic. And then he said, and you're going to die probably tonight. And of course, this was amazing for me because I was so high functioning. This is the first time in my over 20 years of drinking that anyone had ever said to me I was an alcoholic. I had never had anyone even introduce that idea to me. And then that he said I was going to die. But from my point of view, I remember looking at him and thinking, "That's I hear what you're saying, but I don't actually have the ability not to drink. 
um, mm. because that I was I was in that place by then. But anyway, so very long story short, I did survive, and I now know that if you die from your alcohol withdrawal, it's within those first three days. So three days later, they um, I was kept in that emergency detox area for those three days while they thought I would die, and then they moved me into the normal detox unit, and they said you you will live now. So um, that was literally the first. Yeah, that was the first time in my whole adult life I'd actually not been drinking. Well, let's pause and- on that. So, because earlier in your explanation here, you also hinted, here, here's the thing I'm pausing. I'm pausing on the social mm-hmm. aspect here. Mm-hmm. Because you said socially or within your own family, no one has ever assigned that label. Correct. But then I think that's also due to maybe social engineering. Because again, socially... It sounds like you guys probably had parties and get-togethers and Correct. professional gatherings, personal gatherings, and yes. it's customary to have a you know a drink in your hand. It is, but I guess maybe people never bothered realizing how many drinks had passed through your hand because you were That's such a right. high level of functionality. That's like you, exactly could, you could cover it up, and people had no idea yes. that you were hammered. Yes, and and to a large extent, I didn't even have to cover it up for for the majority of my years of drinking, and. Afterwards, people said to me, oh, we knew you were a big drinker, Sharon, but you function so well. It was just like your relaxing thing. No one Mm. ever thought it was a problem for me. And interestingly, even my doctor, who I saw regularly sent for for my whole life, and he was so apologetic after this had all happened because he said, Sharon, I had no idea that any of the things that were happening to you could ever have been alcoholic related because you were so high functioning. Well, hold, on, hold on a second. All right. So this goes back to a whole other, that's a whole other show about uh, how no offense. I have friends that are MDs. Yes. <sighs> the MD is limited to their knowledge of pharmaceuticals. I, I truly believe that unless an MD yes. chooses to break out of the norm and finally start doing their own self studies as an adult professional, they Correct. only, they, they cover one hour on nutrition in, in their university. In the whole, I have heard their that. Whole time. Yeah. I've had, do- yes. I've gotten doctors to admit that on my show. Um, yes. And then their current knowledge base is whatever a pharmaceutical drug rec is, is teaching them or what's being taught at a conference, which is usually funded or sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. Yes. So, but back to your condition, you mean to tell me that didn't, didn't he do normal health checks with blood work, stuff like that? This stuff never comes up in your blood work or anything? Never enough that he had noticed it at that time. No. Wow. So whether whether he didn't do the right tests and all of that stuff, but I literally think he thought because I was wealthy and fully functioning that there was nothing even worth checking. Well, uh, you're going to appreciate this because you just said the word wealthy. And one of my favorite yeah. quotes that I truly live by, and I have actually, I might have to, I might have to launch a new quotes page on the site, <laughs> but it's a, uh, I think it goes way, way back. I mean, this might be, like Greek descent. I can't remember the actual uh, person who actually said it, but it's uh, our health is our true wealth. Correct. And unfortunately due to back to my point on social engineering yes. and what you've already, you already hinted on social engineering. We're led to believe that, Oh, it, it, you have to work hard and work, make lots of money That's and have right. the big house. Mm-hmm. Mm. But as I joke around people, I'm like, okay, let's say you have millions of dollars. And then as mm. you just hinted at, I've told, I literally, you are living my quote. I say, well, I could have millions of dollars and I'm stuck in a hospital bed. What the That's hell's right. the point? That's exactly right. Yes. Like you could and, have, you could have gone blind. I've read, read about uh, blindness from alcohol. Oh, that there is any number of things that I was so lucky. You know, a stroke. You know, so many health. And yeah. now I know all the statistics related to those things. But also, as as you mentioned earlier on, the interesting thing was is that all of those things that I was looking for for happiness were a hundred percent outside of External. myself. Yeah. yeah, and I had never learned that skill growing up of finding my happiness internally. And so it was literally never something that I had focused on doing. It's back to your and point on self-care. Like it 100% your is, parents yeah. and their parents' generations, generationally, they were taught to be tough. You know, World War One, yes. World War II, uh, you know, th- those generations were basically taught to swallow it and deal with it. And, mm-hmm. and this is important for our listeners because a big part of our demographic of listeners is the Gen Xers like myself, I'm 40. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously down, handing this on to the next generation, the millennials, is that mm-hmm. a lot of people call millennials soft because they're looking for mentorship and guidance and, and people think they don't want to work hard. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're willing to work. 
but they're hmm. looking for that motivation, that inspiration, and they're looking for that drive. They're looking for purpose is what I, I've gotten yes. for a lot. And, yes, I agree. And this is important going to your point on self-care because you're now you're now an influencer showing this to other women that's listen. Correct. I didn't mm. I was not brought up with self-care. I I mm. wasn't really brought up with self-care. I had to learn mm. this through my own self-development mm-hmm. and I'm 40. Mm. So what if Yes. what about other what are how many other women out there still haven't found that word, self-care? Yes. Yes, a lot. And it's 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 the first thing that I deal with in all my programs with all my women because what I find is that mostly women believe and we very much do still to this day and even the young generations get taught this as women is that we are the caring and the nurturing sex and so very a lot of women actually think that as soon as they make any steps towards self-care then it is selfish I was just going to say selfish yeah yeah, and if you ask most women, one of the one of the most hurtful things that they can ever get get told is that they're selfish. And we do work very hard to do things so that we don't outwardly look selfish. And so it is actually a, a mechanism of training women to understand. I mean, I love the old analogy about when you're in the aeroplane. And they say to you, when that oxygen mask comes down, you fit your own before you fit someone else's. And it's exactly the same with every other part of your life and self-care is that if you don't, if you're like me and so many other women, then you're so busy caring for everyone else. And it can be everything from your business to your household, to your community, to your kids and your and your family of origin and everything, that you're so busy caring to vote for those people in the end, it's all going to come down, crashing down like it did with me if you don't have a mechanism for self-care and then make... And so we need to change our thinking as women to understand that if you are actually in good mental and physical health, you have the ability to help more people, which I'm living proof of that because I had zero health care, self-care, and I was trying to help everyone in my life. But now that I have, you know, absolutely awesome self-care and mentally and physically emotionally and spiritually my self-care is fantastic I literally help tens of thousands of people around the world I was gonna say there's no way you could be doing what you did today uh, when you were in that prior state no and I was I was literally giving so much of myself I had nothing left there's no way I could have helped any more people than I was even if I wanted to whereas now it's limitless because my first thing I do is look after myself and that then allows me to help more people hmm. it's it's you know it's and and let's be real for our listeners this is not just for women I mean what you're sharing with us applies yeah. to the male sex too in a, in a similar but different way, right? Maybe yeah. we're not the guys that are out there, you know, giving ourselves to obviously our children and our wives or significant others. Maybe a lot of times, like me, I'm very socially active. I'm, uh, I think my fiance even says, she's like, you're kind of a social whore, but like in a professional way. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, like, I'm a huge CrossFit nut. I'm a CrossFit coach in my free time. Yeah. I, I love it. And, uh, you know, I was a ski race coach. I told you earlier for years. So, I always have no problem filling in my free time. So, Mm -hmm. but I've had to get a little selfish in this past year since, well, year and a half now, since launching the podcast and everything else. It's like, wait a minute, Scott. And even one of my closest friends who's now growing a very successful company. And he said, listen, Scott, he's like, I've known you a long time. And he's like, you need to start focusing on you for a little while. I'm like, whoa, what do you Mm -hmm. mean? He says, Scott, he's like, you volunteered. You've built houses for Habitat for Humanity. You've been a firefighter, all this stuff. And he's like, you know more than most people I know. And he's like, when are you going to put you first and build that's the next successful company or companies out there? He's like, you've been helping everybody else build theirs. And I was like, man, that's, that hurts. I mean, but it, was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't so much hurtful. It was actually, I think more hurtful for myself when I looked internally, because I'm like, man, he's right. But I kept justifying it because I'm like, look at all these good things that I'm doing. And it wasn't a bragging right thing for me. It was just like, I just felt good about it. But yeah. I realized, like, wait a minute. It, actually, this ties into another quote for you. Uh, you can't be a poor uh, philanthropist, <laughs> right? Like, you want to yeah. give back. You want to change the world. Yeah. But I can only volunteer so many hours physically in my life. Correct. 
Correct. But now I'm in that phase where I'm like, I literally, actually January 1st this year, I switched my company over to a for-purpose business model. So now quarterly, I'm going to try and grow the percentages. But basically, as soon as income hits my business, I immediately yes. remove a percentage out for nonprofit activities. Yes. So the point is, is as you grow your financial success, your not-for-profit balance grows with it, right? Because you're automatically yes. setting that percentage aside. And I, right. I learned that at a powerful event uh, I go to every year called Thrive Make Money Matter. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I highly mm -hmm. recommend it. It's, it's world-class speakers and entrepreneurs come to this event now. And the whole point is teaching people to find purpose in what right. they're doing. But yeah. it goes back to your point. It's, I, I just wanted to share that with you because it's, like, it's just eye-opening because we, don't, we feel guilty if we try and focus on us for a little while. I guess. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing is that, um, and again, this, this I find with women, um, and so I'd have to leave that to you as to whether men do it too. <laughs> but what, what a lot of women do is even, as I was saying, is if we have a lot of feelings that we don't want to deal with that make us feel uncomfortable, um, one of the many ways that women will actually avoid feeling those feelings is by busying themselves. And so a really good way to do that is for them to do things for other people. So the whole thing about doing things for other people, for women who have low self-esteem and it's, they're not fit, it's one of those feelings that they're trying to avoid, actually doing things for other people is a great thing. They actually will, as in they think in their mind, it's a great thing because they're avoiding it they're actually avoiding feeling bad but in the meantime they're busy they're really busying themselves doing other things but the problem with any feelings is they come back and bite you in the bum yeah because they you're, always you're not, come back you're not dealing, you're not with, dealing them. with anything yeah. that's right what was what's, yeah, the old, so, uh, what's the old adage it was um oh you just gotta you gotta just gotta push it deep down like it's, yeah yeah i'm like <laughs> But you, yeah. go, you can push it down, but eventually yeah, it's going it to come like, bubbling back up. It comes like a volcano. Yeah. Mm. And, and that is the thing is that for those people, even though they think, why aren't I feeling any better? Because I'm doing all these things for other people. But one of the big reasons is because there's still those feelings that they're just busying themselves and not feeling. So, I mean, that is one of the amazing things with any woman who works with me or makes any um, positive change in their life is that it's a very brave thing to do because oftentimes these can be feelings that they've actually spent their whole life avoiding and they've either busied themselves or drunk, smoke, you know, drugged, bad relationships, you know, at work addict, any, you know, you can do a lot of things to avoid those feelings. So the day, you know, I get so excited for my ladies when that day comes, when they're finally ready to be brave enough to feel that stuff, because, you know, it's like growing a muscle. When you go to the gym, you know that when you grow that muscle, it's going to hurt, but you also know that that's the only way to make that positive change. And it's this the is the exactly pain that the builds the rewards. It's that's exactly right. And changing the way you feel is exactly like that. It, because if you keep avoiding that pain, you're not going to get the change. Well, exactly the same as if you avoid keep going to the gym, you're never going to grow the muscles, it's, right? <laughs> it's the classic uh, statement, which you don't have to be a psych major to learn this, but it's like, what is the definition of insanity? Keep doing the yeah, same repeating. thing over and over and expecting uh, a different result. You that's can't right. do it. Eventually, no. you got to rip the Band-Aid off and say, all right, yeah. let's try something different. Because yeah. I may fail, but even if you fail, and this is a, this is a lesson that I teach in entrepreneurship, I'm like even if you fail, look at the correct. powerful things you've learned from that, right? Correct. But with yes. what you're talking about here is obviously you're building, and actually you know, I'm going to do some screen sharing again because I forgot that on your hydrate, you're 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 getting your kind of you're starting to build that consistent uh, support, so you have mm -hmm. an app and everything. Right? Uh, yes, I do. Yes. So I'm loving this because I like, I like, I'm, I'm a big technology fan. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because to your point, uh, there's ladies that are hearing this that maybe are totally connecting with what you're talking about. And then mm -hmm. the initial thing, because I've done a lot with health coaching and fitness and everything else over the years. And usually the first thing is that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, that's easy for you to say because you're, maybe you're single, or maybe I'm single, or I was, uh, I don't have mm -hmm. kids, or there's all, yep, yep. people start finding excuses for themselves, and it's like, guys, yep. like, just start taking small steps. If you do Correct. the, if you do a big, just, drastic shift, you're probably going to fail because you tried taking on too much too fast, and yes. you ripped way too big of a Band-Aid off. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and, and the thing with alcohol is the other big misconception is I, I like to use this analogy in that, um, as I said earlier on, a lot of people think that you know, there's just all the drinkers and then there's the alcoholic at the end. But what a lot of people don't realise is that, um, you know how with type 1 and type 2 diabetes, there's like type 1 diabetes that you're just born with, yes, right? You just, born with. You just, correct, right? But the other, type 2 diabetes is a gradual process and it's a complete lifestyle choice. And along the way, you might have a family member or a doctor or someone else who says, dude, You've got to make some lifestyle changes, otherwise you're going to end up on insulin and you're going to be a type 2 diabetic. But what people don't realise is that alcoholism is exactly the same as that. The biggest problem is a lot of people who are kind of my age, who are 40 plus, um, are saying, oh, you know, it's okay because I can control it. I've been drinking all my life. But what they don't realise is it has a cumulative effect and it also, your body, there's a chemical effect when you drink. And so your body actually needs more alcohol. And so people are actually drinking themselves into alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the biggest problems is that especially women, we think that we, if we work harder, we can control things. But just like you can't control the insulin in your body just by wishing it was different, um, but still eating all that sugar, you are not going to be able to, to control the fact that you will eventually become alcoholic. And then that's the problem is that then you actually have to be in a position where, like you said, people don't want that huge, great big change in their life. If people don't want the kind of change, which means you have to stop drinking 100% abstinent for the rest of your life, which is 100% what I've had to do. From that day when I nearly died, I knew that if I ever pick up a drink again, it's going to end up in me dying. There's only one way for me, for this not to kill me, and that's for me to never drink again. But that was for but you. That was for me. That's because I drank to that level. But yeah. but what people have to realise is this is not something where you can get to that stage and then say, oh, I've changed my mind now. I'm not going to be alcoholic. Well, you don't have that choice. You know, once you're there, then that's how it is. So in what it, wherever anyone is in their drinking process, now is the time to do something about it because you can still make that positive change. And like those screen shares you just showed there, the statistical changes that you can make from, to your health, there is no other significant, you know, health benefits that you can get through one single change in your life can make these amazing health benefits that literally people don't don't realize how big those changes can be. Oh, yeah. I mean, you already hinted at obviously diabetes, right? And, and as me being a health nut, I can totally back you up on this, right? <laughs> yes, you, you, yes. You're removing You're removing toxicity from the body, okay? And we're already bombarded with toxins in our food, our water supply, the air. So you've already got naturally occurring toxins. And then obviously you can add, if you are a, if, if you're referring to somebody who's doing massive quantities of alcohol consumption, um, and let's be real, I should also add here, we're not talking about just alcohol. How many times are we dealing with people who are doing alcohol, but it's mixed with something, usually something sugary. So that's why I'm totally backing <laughs> you up on diabetes. Like if you yeah. drank... And again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. Like, if you drank a distilled glass, it's because scotch is distilled, okay? Uh-huh. Or you just drink pure vodka. Again, I'm not trying to promote people will just keep drinking that. But the point is, the average person's not doing that. It's mixed uh-huh. with all the sugary crap. And then uh-huh. you get hooked on that because that's a natural hormonal response. Our body, there's, uh-huh. there's two hormones that's in our exactly body right. called uh-huh. leptin and ghrelin. And they're constantly battling each other. And you overstimulate one and your body's like, oh, great, I'm not satiated. Let's keep it going, man. I'm on the oh. sugar train. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's ride that puppy. And yeah. that's what leads to, obviously, weight gain and a whole, whole other demographic of, uh, of health issues. Because we talk a lot on the show. I'm a huge follower of a friend of mine. He's a very successful podcaster on the west coast of the U.S. named Vinny Tortorich. He's a trainer to the stars and his whole career. And he trademarked NSNG, no sugar, no grains, because he's surviving cancer because of that. He truly believes yes, it. Right. He had yeah. leukemia. And mm-hmm. and he was a he's like me, crazy cyclist, doing hundreds of miles in the mountains. Like he was literally on his road bike doing a hundred mile bike ride when his doctor called him and said, Get off the bike. 
I have to talk to you. And that was the mm. day that she told him he had cancer. And wow. he had been a health nut his whole life, right? Mm. So mm. that's somebody who's not over-consuming alcohol. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. let's be real. This stuff is already happening as it is. And that's now, right. And now you're talking about, obviously for your demographic, you're talking about professional women or just passionate mothers or sisters or daughters that are using alcohol to compensate for other issues in their lives. But they don't, right. they don't realize all of these massively dangerous health demographics like your website had on there, right? You, you got cancer risk. You got, uh, you already hit it, diabetes. You have heart concerns. I mean, it's, you really are amplifying a lot of things with overconsumption. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that there's so much misinformation about alcohol being good for people. And I just want to make it very, very clear that the vast majority of those research um results that came out saying alcohol is good for you have been squashed and are 100% not true. But of the very minimal benefits that you can receive from some alcohol in some amounts, I want to be very clear about two things is one is that all of those health benefits can be achieved by eating other good wholesome food that you should be eating as part of a good healthy diet anyway. So there's no, no health benefit that can only be found in alcohol. And the second thing is, which most people don't realize, is that alcohol is a poison. Yes. It's listed by the World Health Organization as a poison and a carcinogenic. And this single sentence is very important for people to remember. According to the World Health Organization, there is no such thing as no risk drinking. Correct. So every single drink has some risk associated with it. Oh, God, yeah. So when people put that in balance and say, because at the moment, so many people say, oh, it's okay to have red wine because it's good for me. Well, no, because the benefits can be found elsewhere and that glass of wine is doing you damage. So a big part of the education I do is at least to tell people that so they can make an informed decision because so many people still think that the health benefits outweigh the risks, which is 100% not true. I tell people all the time, I'm, like, I, I'm a huge health and fitness nut, right? But let's be real, yeah. I still have drink. Okay, but I also know even Vinny will tell you this. Vinny Toyota Rich, huge health nut. He mm-hmm. literally goes through. He he'll sometimes announce a full year of his NSNG commitment, and what he says is, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm literally not going to be putting any life into living. His little slogan is, even on if he's not doing a completely free year, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. he'll say, hey, I do put a little life into living once in a while. And what he refers to, he's like, he's like, no, that doesn't mean I'm eating grains and bread and all that crap. He's <laughs> like, but maybe, you know, once a week, he's like, I might have a scotch. He's like, I like mm-hmm. to sit down and just have a scotch. But he's like, let's be real, people. He says the same thing. He's like, he's like, you're still, he's like, I am still introducing a toxin into my body. Correct. Let's be real. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm admitting it and I'm telling you people so you know that that's, I even know that. He's like, the yeah. difference is, he's like, I also would live an extremely healthy lifestyle, as you hinted, the whole food mm. consumption, clean eating. He's reducing so many other variables in his life. So mm. if he does have that one drink, yes, it's still a toxin. It's still mm. not good for you. Mm. But he's done all these other variables and he's only having one. Mm. <laughs> right? He's only mm. having one. And yes. as he hinted, it might be once a week or once a month, not, mm. you know, once a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It, it's important people understand that because this yeah. goes back to your, the ladies you're trying to get through too, is some of them may freak out. Like I can't go completely alcohol free. Well, everybody mm. thinks that it's impossible in the beginning, mm. but there is going to be a stepping process. I'm sure that's all mm. built into your programs. Yeah, that's right. And unless people leave it too late and you're in a situation like I was where you are alcoholic and you have no choice but to never drink again. And you're literally in a hospital. I mean. That's right. Yeah. But if you're not in that, if you're not in that situation, now is the, and and if, if life without alcohol seems scary to you, then that means that now is the time for you to do something about it because you're giving yourself the most amount of choice the quicker you can get onto this. So you're, you're hinting at that that unhealthy psychological commitment there, right? It's like if it's freaking you out that much that you think that you're, you're <laughs> literally your life is going to come to end because come to an end because you can't you're, you're going to be told to stop drinking. That's 
you shouldn't be dependent on that. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's right. There, yeah. There's there's healthy things you could be dependent on. Like I get, I'm health. I I'm committed to my workouts. Like they, mm. I don't work out every single day, but love me, man. I I love my CrossFit workouts. Right. I, I look forward <laughs> to it because yeah. I'm beat up and I love it. That's some people may may find that unhealthy, but I'm like, okay, well, I'm not smoking cigarettes. I'm not drinking tons of alcohol. I'm enjoying a sweaty, adrenaline junkie workout. Mm. <laughs> so I tell people like, yes, I do have an addictive personality, but mm. I've channeled it towards healthier, healthier things. things. And yeah. I think that's something yeah. that I don't know if you've t- ever talked with that to any of your ladies, but I truly believe that yes, some of us are wired to an addictive state, but I, I truly believe that what are we going to do to align that on the right path? I believe that yeah. you could take these things and reallocate them to something more positive. That's true. And I also think if you um, make sure that you use those strategies like the self-care and like we were talking about dealing with the feelings and what I always say to people is it's actually not so much about what you do. It's more about what your feeling is behind that. So, I mean, another one that women will use is shopping. So it literally can be a matter of, they're like, I feel like a drink, but I can't pick up a drink, so I'm going to go shopping. You're like, well, actually, what you need to do is not pick up a drink or go shopping, but sit and have a think about what feeling you're trying not to avoid right now. So it's more about being emotionally evolved enough to actually be willing to look at those feelings and and dedicate that emotional self-care time to that. So um, I think for people, as you say, who do... um, who do channel an, you know, addictive personality into doing different things, as long as you actually look at the reasons behind why you're doing that, then it's a positive thing. Well, and I just wrote this on my whiteboard here, right? Because we, I wrote self-care down here and I totally drew an arrow to root cause discovery is what you're talking about. <laughs> and yes. I think that's, it, it goes back to my little frustration with MDs, right? It's like, okay, well, they're being taught to treat a symptom or an issue with a drug. Mm-hmm. The drug's not the cure. The drug no. is you just treating a symptom. What is Correct. the symptom of? What is the root cause that led to the symptoms that's leading to the drugs? That's if you could right. trace it back, I mean, this is why, I mean, that's the biggest battle between Eastern and Western medicine is Eastern medicine's been around a very, very long time before <laughs> drugs even existed because yeah. they really try and find what the root cause is. You know, they're not yes. trying to treat the symptom. Whereas, mm-hmm especially here in the USA, I'm, I'm sure it's similar down in Australia, but it's like, okay, guys, we're looking for that quick fix. And mm. everything I've learned from you today is uh, you ladies and men and men, um, the, the quick fix is, well, okay, I, I could just not sit down and, and really try and make myself think about that root cause. I could just go shopping mm. or go have a drink instead. That's right. Yes. Right? Yep. And, and when you find that that root cause comes over a matter of time when you have when you spend enough time sitting with your feelings behind why you're trying to drink or distract yourself with anything else, then you can recognize what the root cause is behind that feeling over time. It, it's a process. That is a thing. There's no magic cure. No, but as you hinted at earlier in the show, we have to start putting in these reps. It's like going to the gym, right? You're putting in the yes. reps. To get, to get better at something, you have to take time and commit to that. Mm-hmm. And over time... The process does get easier. You you learn to it's. I'm gonna relate this to barbell, right? Like you learn how to pick up a barbell, how to hold a barbell, the form, the technique, the weight will come. Don't worry about it. the yes. weight will come. We we coach this all the time. But you need to start spending time on how to move it, uh, become comfortable with it, and I think that comes back to your points here on alcohol, right? Is okay. Well, you need to learn what it's like little by little to not have that and. And you might not be ready to sit down and dig deep into your inner feelings and, and your root cause uh, discovery process because you've it never hurts. you've never even sat yeah. down. Like let, let's yeah, let's let's right. let's sit your butt down and just start mm. thinking a little bit. And then it might might freak you out, but at least you took that five minutes. And then maybe next yes. week it's ten minutes. Correct. Yes, that's it's like, exactly it's like meditation. What like I, yeah, I suck at meditation, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, that's, meditation my, that's my goal this year is to dig deeper. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's amazingly hard for over-functioning women, I'm sure men too, 
to actually do that and sit down and even without a meditative process, but just say, are you willing to actually sit on your lounge with no distractions for five minutes and feel your feelings? I'm backing you up. Very, I'm that guy. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you, you and I are like highly functioning people. Like, <laughs> oh my yeah. God, like sit down, like no, no phone, no computer, yes. no TV, yes. just yeah. reflection. Correct. Yeah. It and it's hard. Out. Yeah, it does. And a lot of people have spent their entire life avoiding exactly that. Have you which- done, um, you might get a kick out of this. So oh, three months ago, I did my first, um, what do they call them? It's like a, you float in a saltwater tank. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. crap. That's, you yeah, are alone with your thoughts. Right. <laughs> For an <Yes>. hour. <laughs> Sensory deprivation. I finally cracked yeah. the shell on that. I gave that a first crack and um, yeah. I made my fiance go with me. And she's like, oh. she's, she's a, I think she's highly functional. She's, she's a, a veterinary doctor for equine horse yep. and she's a yep. chiropractic doctor for animals. So she's a smart girl. Yep. And I'm yeah. like, you're coming with me. And she's like, wait a minute, you want me to sit in a room with nothing? And I said, yes. well, it starts off with like a very meditative music, but even that fades away. And yeah. you are literally sitting there literally in just salt nothing. water. And she's yes. like, this does not sound fun. I said, listen, we're, we're getting you out of your comfort zone. Just let's, yeah. one time. She hasn't gone back yet. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I went with my son. My son was very good at it, but he can zone out like that well too. He, but, but, he can, so, so even you to this day, right? That Was that a bit yeah. of a struggle? Was that out, out of your comfort zone? Um, I, out of my comfort zone, but I know this sounds funny, but I'm really good at putting myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So nothing kind of puts me out of, you know, I, I accept everything as um, a, a, a lesson, you know, yeah. and that's sort of how I'm, my I'm vibing with you now, right now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, people like, like I, I can't do what you do, Scott. I'm like, yeah, you can. Just start getting yourself out of the comfort zone. Like I, yeah, I, that's what it is. I've done mountain bike yeah. racing and ski race coaching. I've been a firefighter uh, doing wilderness firefighting. You guys get wildfires down there. I got Correct, to do that yeah. for two years with the federal government. Uh, um, that's part of my story on the website, but it's, it's getting yourself out of your comfort zone. That's how you're going to learn and grow. And that's, that's, why, right. that's why I love skydiving because it's like, I mean, some people think I'm crazy doing that. Well, my fiance likes to go do that with me too. That's how we got engaged. So it's yeah. hey, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Get out of yeah. your comfort zone. So yeah, I learned that early on. I was probably only about a year um, sober and I recognized that I really had to start feeling those things that I was afraid of and so I just I had this crazy idea that if I could feel some of my physical fears because I was so physically afraid of so many things too um, that I would better be able to fear my emotional fears so one of my biggest fears was flying so I Ooh. went yeah and I got flying lessons till well, I could as get- a pilot as a pilot, okay. yes. So I went right through until um, I could fly the plane solo. And that was, but it took me that, like that whole year and I was there twice a week up in those, those planes are tiny, right? I was going to say, were you in those little Cessnas? Those little like. Oh yeah, the little Cessnas. Dude, yeah, those that, things are tiny. I yeah. have, they, the people do skydiving out of those things. I, <laughs> I've only skydived out of larger planes because they can fly right. higher. So I get, I get a yeah. much longer skydive, but also. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by like 12 other people. I'm not in a tiny little – those things shake around like crazy. They really do, yeah. And people used to say to me, oh, I can't ring you when you're flying because you're not allowed to take your, your phone up. And I went, oh, no, you don't get it. This, like, these planes are so old. I'm yeah. like, mobile phone doesn't even affect them. They are really – it's like flying a 1968 Mini Minor, I reckon. Yeah, they're, they're very mechanical, <laughs> right? They, don't... they are. They're very mechanical. Well, we've yeah. added all this new technology in, but it's like it's, it's simple, basic flying, man. It, it's it's mechanical. It's levers. It's lift. It's, it's yeah. a little bit of thrust, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's basically – I think it did work though. You know, I was I was scared in the beginning and by the end I was like, I can't say I ever loved it, but but I So I you don't it. still fly now? No, I literally just did it for the sake of saying, right, this is it and I can fly a plane solo and I did that. But yeah, you know, some people say, um, oh no, once you you're only afraid of flying because you, you want the control. But then once I was up there flying the plane, I was like no, no, I still want a Qantas pilot up here. <laughs> There's no control issue. Hey, when I left the corporate world to go yeah. get, get a shot at the firefighting thing, I, I wasn't sure if that was what I was meant to do, right? So I went all in, man. I gave everything away, fit my life in a car, moved west, and I'm in my 30s. So 
uh, I did that for two years. And then I realized like, okay, I got it out of my system. I've done one of the most yeah. dangerous jobs in the world and <laughs> I'm good. Like, yeah, I know that I'm, uh, it's like you, right? You reach a point where I'm meant to do more and mm. I think get a bigger message out there. And I'm not saying that firefighters don't do a lot. I respect and honor that position now that I've done it, but it's like, there's you eventually reach a point like with you and what you've built on your platform here. I love it because mm. you can do more, you can impact more and That's you're right. doing it and I'm loving it. Mm. Well, a big thing for me was, um, I was about four years sober and my kids were finished school and all of that because I've got twins and so they finished school at the same time and they were off going to uni and doing their own thing and um and so I, I had done all my qualifications and I uh, for working one-on-one -on -one mentoring and coaching with women and I had been doing that working one-on-one -on -one with women but I remember saying to a friend at the time I feel like it's a huge great big tsunami wave of, of this kind of issue that there was a situation and I felt like this huge wave and every one of us who was only helping one person at a time was kind of standing there with a teacup you know trying to catch a whole tsunami wave and I just thought that really it and and same thing I'm not not um, dissing anyone who only deals one-on-one -on -one with people but I thought I could do more I thought I at least felt like I, I needed to put up a tsunami warning sign, you know? Yeah. And so for me, so I actually started traveling the world just really to see, well, um, not really knowing what the answer was that I was looking for, but actually wanting to be able to help more people. And that's what enabled me to realize that really using the one-to-many platform that you can do online, not only allows me to provide these paid services to women in Western countries, um, but the but the same as you, I have a very um, philanthropic, um, you know, basis to what I do. And then I also provide services now into developing nations so that I can help women and in a lot of countries that I work in, the men too, um, who are struggling with their alcohol use because a lot of developing nations, they don't have public services like we no. do. So oh. a lot of people who are alcoholic just die. I mean, like it was in America and Australia and the UK a hundred years ago, they just thought if you're an alcoholic, they they either just let you die or put you in a, in a psych ward, right? Because they, they didn't know what to do with it. And it's very similar in a lot of developing nations now. And they, uh, yeah, anyway, I found that for me, it was important not to be only able to help all of us here in, in essentially the wealthy countries in the world, but, you know, alcohol is the third biggest killer in the world, and I do want to be able to help people everywhere. Well, and so I was actually going to bring this up because you talk about right now how be able to make a bigger impact worldwide, not just, let's say, USA and Australia. So mm -hmm. is that part of the messaging behind you launching the podcast as well? So I had, to, I had to throw a little plug in there. I'm like, you're a fellow podcaster. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I want to shout out for you on that. So, and actually, oh, um, you. I noticed you're on SoundCloud. So, yes. so is that, was that part of that, uh, another way of getting your reach out there in a, in a bigger platform as well? Um, no, I had really been using the podcast really for my ladies in the Western countries. Oh, okay. But yeah, but that said, because really in, the education that I do in a lot of the developing nations is kind of at a different level um, in that a lot of the information about health and well-being that we in the US and in Australia and in the UK and that we grow up um, just understanding a lot of things, those are actually, th they're not really educated in those ways and they don't, a lot of the developing nations don't even have the regulations that we have like age restrictions or the places that they can advertise alcohol. So hmm. most in developing nations, I mean, they still have alcohol education, uh, alcohol advertising in schools. Okay. And they, yeah, so they don't have any alcohol education telling them, um, you know, the health issues related to alcohol, but they actually have the opposite to that. And they actually have alcohol being advertised in the schools. And they also wow. mostly... Yeah, and they mostly have no regulations about where you can buy alcohol or who can buy it and age restrictions and all of those things. So a lot of the education in developing nations needs to be done in a, on a very, um, you know, kind of a, a, an initial level. So it sounds more uh, um, like an elementary level, right? It's a... Oh, Correct. You, 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 yeah. you got to walk before you run. 
So Correct. Yeah, and that's where I'm at with most of those developing nations. And the interesting thing is that initially we had thought of doing education services, obviously, and having them translated into the local languages. But what became very apparent very quickly is that most people in most developing nations are not even literate in their own language. So hmm. they can't read their own language. So the systems that we're developing now are actually um, pictorial education systems, which means that anyone in any country, and it doesn't matter if they're illiterate, um, which a lot of people with the alcohol issues are, can still access that information. But once again, I mean, using online platforms is an awesome way to do that. Yes, I mean, they're using that with just simple video. I mean, but even Correct. video yeah. in third world countries is hard to get out there, right? So as they, yeah, build, I, as they build the infrastructure, it will yeah, become more prominent. Right. That is right, yeah. And um, I do believe, you know, I think we can trust commercialism to help us get that out there because there's enough people who still do want to make money in, in developing nations that the infrastructure will be there sooner rather than later. So We, we can thank big yeah. business for that. Yes, they, That's they right. realize yes. that they got to keep growing <laughs> markets in other countries and if they want to get their commercials or their messages out there, I guarantee you these multi-billion dollar organizations will be helping these countries invest in their infrastructure. And if that's the necessary step, cool, let them spend that money because that's going to help powerful people like yourself who are trying to get a positive message through those same channels. And that's that's exciting. Yeah, I do. I agree. Yeah, I think and I do think it's the best way to be able to get the maximum amount of information to the maximum amount of people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been an amazing podcast. I was, I literally almost lost track of time here. I'm like, wow, we've been <laughs> rocking it out. Um, I love everything you're doing. This is powerful. And it's, it's interesting because I don't always have the, actually, I have had a couple of uh, female-focused uh, professionals like yourself. Uh, well, actually, most recently was uh, Dr. Lizette. She specifically focuses on coaches, female coaches. So uh-huh. interesting. She, you'll have to get you two connected. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> she's psychology. And she's actually oh. a, she's a university professor as well. So, oh, okay. So right. she's a yes. teacher, a coach for coaches. Um, yes. Right. And ob- obviously a, a very smart woman in the psychology space. So mm. uh, we'll have to get to, I love getting people connected. So. Yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's how we truly succeed in life. I'm a big supporter of networking and getting people plugged together. And that's one of the side effects from launching this show a year and a half ago was, oh, yeah. I've had over 150 shows online now. So if I just plugged all the 150 co-hosts together, I'm already helping people. So that's right. And yes. I've got other networks bigger than just the podcast, but that's just been a wonderful side benefit that all of a sudden started happening probably about six months ago. I'm like, Hey, like, Hey, do you know any of the podcasters? I'm like, yes, I've been on podcasts. They've been on my show. I know, <laughs> I know authors now and psychologists and, and, uh, estrogenetics yes. and, <laughs> Uh, I have to make a list one day. So yes, yeah. uh, but if that helps I'm you, I believe it. It, it, do, it. it helps us all not to reinvent the wheel. I think yes, you know, and to learn from what other people and their specialties, and it can bring all of that knowledge together. And there's a lot to be said for that. And it's it's also faster. It's smoother when you ever, anytime Correct. you have a warm introduction. It's a lot mm. faster to get you connected to somebody with a simple personal email from me or a quick message over Facebook to them because we're all connected now. I'm like, hey guys. Just had so-and-so on my show. I really think you need That's to connect right. up. Yes. Who, who knows what could come of it? That's you know, right. Right? <laughs> yes, agreed. Yeah. So listen, yeah. uh, obviously your message on your site, I help women change their relationship with alcohol. Again, ladies and gentlemen, SharonMitchell.com. You found her everywhere. Is it official, Sharon? What is your your Sorry. other your other social media oh, um, yeah, tags? It's Sharon. It's Sharon. Uh, Sharon's official. Sharon's official. That's right. Which I love Correct. that. I don't see that very often. I love that. So yes. I like the fact yeah. that you were able to lock that down. So uh, yeah. <laughs> no one else thought of that. So yes. No. Um, Facebook, Instagram. She's at Sharon's official. Um, yes. But listen, as we bring the show to a close, you are the co-host today. And I always give our co-hosts uh, the opportunity mm-hmm. to close the show out. And that's just your mm-hmm. opportunity to give like a final message. Or if there's an all-encompassing message behind everything that you're trying to do, well, clearly worldwide. <laughs> so is, is there any of the final words or comments you'd like to help close out for our listeners and our video watchers today? Well, for the ladies listening out there, I would like to say to remember that 
now is the absolute best time to make positive change, not only in their health, but in their relationship with alcohol. And that I know from experience with working with all of these women around the world, that when women make positive change to their own lives with their own self-care and their own emotional growth, it makes really significant multi-generational change within their own family and within their, their communities, and that is priceless. Wow, that is definitely mm. priceless. I can tell you yes. that. Uh, <laughs> I, well, it, it's everything you said today, right? It, you got it, this, this self-care component truly does need to get out there faster and more effectively worldwide, and obviously not just to the ladies, but to the men too. Uh, yes. It's okay to get vulnerable and, yes. and start putting in the self-work. Correct, yes. All right. Well, listen, yeah. hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air, but... Again, ladies and gentlemen, those are the final words from SharonMitchell.com, okay? So make sure you follow her. As always, we'll have everything hyperlinked into the show notes, her websites, her social media profiles. You'll be able to stalk her online anywhere. <laughs> so again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening in to another Live the Fuel show. And as I've said many, many times before, you too can live the fuel. Talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, listeners and fans of Live the Fuel. Scott Mulvaney here, your founder and host. Please hang tight for another one to two minutes and you're going to hear some added value resources and discounts. So first off, please don't forget to subscribe and submit a review for the show. It'll really help others find our show and I would love to get the feedback. Also, please be sure to visit livethefuel.com and score your free Super 7s resource guide. This has got over 21 different resources that I've put together to help fuel your health, business, and lifestyle goals. Okay, once you're on the website, ladies and gentlemen, go to the resources page and you're gonna score some added discounts. I've set up discount code relationships with my favorite snack nuts from eatpillynuts.com and my favorite healthy fats olive oil from villacapelli.com. And lastly, don't forget, I'm your connection into the healthy nutrition world from Isogenics. You'll see the logo there. Feel free to reach out to me. I got my schedule online. And to close things out, guys, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is awesome, and I love having you listen. And it wouldn't be possible without our amazing editor known as David Studio. So if you're an up-and-coming podcaster or an existing podcaster and you're just trying to find a better way to get it done like I do, Get a hold of his editing services. You can find him on Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Fiverr.com and search for David Studio. And lastly, just to close this out, ladies and gentlemen, we discuss so much health, business, and lifestyle on this show. We bring on biologists and doctors and entrepreneurs, and it's just a powerful sharing of knowledge. But one thing I do want to remind you is this. We are not a uh, replacement for your medical doctor. Uh, for example, on the health information. So please, this is a show of free knowledge. If you need to go seek a professional's advice, please do so. This is free knowledge. We're sharing it out there, but obviously you need to make your own intelligent decisions when it comes to your health, your business, and your lifestyle. I just want to remind you of that. In the end, keep listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for the reviews. And let's keep growing this powerful message of a healthier, more successful business lifestyle for you all. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.